This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And hello, welcome to Unequal Sequel. My name is Dave, and I'm one of your two hosts of this blistering podcast. <laughs> and I'm Rich, and I'm the other host of this blistering podcast. Think of me as Billy to Dave's gizmo. He's small and cute and fuzzy, and I never feed him after midnight. Think of me as Superman to Dave's Lex Luthor. I'm a man of steel, and he's rapidly balding. Think of me as Hardy to Dave's Laurel, because we both look great in bowl hats. Think of me as Bruce the Shark to Dave's Sheriff Brody. I'm always breaking down and not doing my job properly, and he's got a lovely tan. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, the premise of Unequal Sequel is very simple. We ask our guests for their best ever sequel, worst ever sequel, and finally their dream sequel. And of course, we quite often drift off and talk about other things, sometimes movie related, sometimes just life in general. We should also point out we do love spoilers. So once in a while, we talk about a film and we do spoil it. So if you haven't seen a film we mention, you know, just go and cut the grass for a minute and then come back. We do have a quick question just to warm up your mind that we always ask every guest. And it is, what is the first sequel you got excited about? Do you remember that? Oh, I think it's probably the same as a lot of people. Empire Strikes Back. Um, you know, I've, that was the age I was. I was seven when Star Wars came out. Uh, blew, absolutely blew my mind. Uh, so, um, in fact, Empire Strikes Back, I was so excited. I actually read the um the i'm pretty sure the book version came out first and yeah. i remember reading mm. that so all that kind of i am your father thing was actually a bit spoiled for me oh. um and uh and i've now just spoiled it for the one person out there who's not seen <laughs> star wars um but yeah so that was it definitely empire strikes back and it did not i hate hate sequels that don't end <laughs> finish the movie give us a movie with a beginning a middle and end don't just fluff us for the third one that really annoyed me about june recently i was just like oh come on you've stopped halfway through so yeah you know i think more and more i i, I get irritated by empire because it doesn't end properly but you didn't have that problem when you were seven though did you no 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 i was just like man he's got his hand cut off 
<laughs> How's he going to fight with one hand? That was basically yeah. it. That was Brilliant. my thing. And oh no, Han Solo's dead, and he's the cool guy, you know. And then I was just really confused with, did he he kiss the sister? And I was like, yeah. I, even though I'm only seven, I know that's a bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> even in, even on the east coast of Scotland, where people marry their sisters. So, <laughs> so, so at that point, have you watched Star Wars? You knew what was going on. You were all up to date. I've watched Star Wars about eight times in the in the cinema. I mean, just I I, I went. I think there was one time I watched it like on a Saturday and a Sunday. Uh, it was just I was, it was the first movie that I was completely obsessed with. And it was really interesting when um you just you keep me I kept meeting people throughout my career who were as obsessed. I remember when uh like Ash became one of my favorite bands ever because they had that debut album called 1977 that opened with uh the the, the Star Wars sound effects. Yeah. I remember when I finally got to interview them and and met them and we just talked about Star Wars and you just realized it was such a a, a touchstone for uh, for an entire generation. Oh, you know what? I do remember it just came in a vision. I I remember being so excited for Mortal Kombat Annihilation. <laughs> this is brilliant. I I remember because I listen, I am also one that loves the first one. Like, even though it wasn't the R-rated one I deserved as a child, mm-hmm. I was I was so very satisfied with the the build of what could have been a great franchise. And then I remember seeing the pre, I remember being with my mother in a movie theater. And this is where, you know, uh, YouTube is not readily available for you uh, to watch a trailer. And it was the only time in my life that I remember a trailer coming on and my mom turning to me and was happy for me and said, I will take you to go see that movie because Mortal Kombat Annihilation was on there. And I saw Cyrax and every, I got like, I was dying like <laughs> and Jax. And I was like, oh, my God, it's my movie. And then we went to see it. And then I haven't been the same since. I have PTSD now. <laughs> Is that the sequel that, correct me if I'm wrong, they pretty much run out of money towards the end of it and the studio just... Put it out. I mean, it looks like that's what happened. I don't know the story behind it, um, but yeah, I think I think there was like a slash in budget somewhere in there. I think I, I remember reading something like that. But it's a really messy uh, sequel with the worst special effects by '90s standards, like by like '50s <laughs> standards. It's pretty <laughs> horrific. But yeah, that was, that was the first one. I, 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 it came to mind just now when you, when you asked me that. Well, mine's actually Disney film as well of course and I, I'm, I'm sorry I'm, I'm gonna end up flexing a little bit on the cinema front um I don't know how I don't know how excited I was at the age of four going to see Toy Story 2 but I know my dad was unbelievably excited and took me to um I don't know which cinema in Leicester Square but we went to one in Leicester Square um wow. and uh he was absolutely fuming with me when I fell asleep within five minutes in my in my defense i was four or five years old and um it'd been a long day it was in the evening so but you know i i do i imagine that at that age i was very excited to see toy story 2 i'm sure my dad because my dad basically imprinted all of his favorite films onto me so if he was taking me all the way to leicester square to see toy story 2 i'm sure there must have been excitement in that household but i do also remember going to see fantasia 2000 as well we went to see that at BFI IMAX, which was just an 
unreal wow, experience impressive. so i would have been about six at that point so you can imagine like t- this tiny little girl and this i'm like with all these pretty colors and music was just yeah like that was that was incredible as well that's so cool remind me of what happens in fantasia 2000 because i have no clue so they oh, still have the same yeah so they have like different like conceptual animation pieces based on different classical uh, pieces yeah. of music and they do have um, Sorcerer's Apprentice again but yeah, they have okay. like other stuff and I still ha- my favourite piece of classical music is still f- to this day from that film it's actually jazz but it's um, it's Rhapsody in Blue but the, the I knew you were going to say that the minute you were like <laughs> my favourite piece of music was like there's Rhapsody in Blue <laughs> um, just the, the I just have that that whole sequence like and how does that go written as in it goes uh, I'll get my flute out and I'll play it for you <laughs> um, I prefer Fantasia 2000 to Fantasia I, I think do. It's, it's probably just because animations come on and so they're a bit more adventurous I honestly I thought, like I, thought it was, I thought it was the same film I never knew it was two different things yeah I think I definitely no, seen 2000 more because it was round about that time when DVD plays were coming in and it was one of the first DVDs that we had and because we'd seen it in the cinema whereas Fantasia I think I had on VHS probably watched it when I was a lot younger but that was yeah, yeah. that was like oh this is my DVD that I own <laughs> not my dad kind of thing so yeah I definitely <laughs> think I have a bias there same as I have a bias for Toy Story 2 over Toy Story 1 what is your best sequel today because you know, it's a hard choice to make. Well, I picked, this is quite a controversial choice, I think. Um, yes, it is. And slight caveat or caveats is that obviously this isn't the best sequel of all time. <laughs> it's probably The Godfather Part 2 or The Empire Strikes Back. Honorable mentions to Terminator 2, Aliens, Toy Story 3, Silence of the Lambs, technically yeah, yeah. a sequel, also a masterpiece. Yeah, I'll allow it. But what I figured was that a lot of people are either going to have already talked about some of these films or certainly will the more episodes you do. You'd be surprised. <laughs> well, have people not covered those already? Nobody has mentioned The Godfather Part 2 yet. Or, or, or No one's picked no. Empire Strikes Back yet either, as their best. Oh my, oh my God, literally my favourite too. And I just thought, I haven't got time to listen to every single episode. I don't want to reach it. <laughs> well, okay. Now, now I'm sat here telling your listeners that the best sequel is Young Guns 2 and I feel like a complete idiot. <laughs> <laughs> obviously it's the godfather part two guys obviously and empire strikes back however uh, for this but to you but to me yeah there was there was a period when i was younger no so this is sort of pre-peak 93 to 99 this is when i was still kind of hiring vhs's from the local store pre-blockbuster on the isle of Wight, because we were sort of late to adopt so these were still the local kind of mum and pop video stores where mm-hmm. you'd go in and you'd basically be faced with the choice of some Steven Seagal actioner like Nico or Hard to Kill or like License to Blow, whatever nonsense it was called. For a little while, there was sort of George Conrad Van Damme. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the X rated one. Um, <laughs> but then I remember hiring Young Guns 2 out with my mate and watching it, and it genuinely blew my mind. Because I had never seen a Western before, or certainly not from memory, like perhaps some kind of old like John Wayne, John Ford Westerns around my nan and granddad's as a kid, but they didn't resonate with me because, you know, you're seven, eight, nine years old, who gives a crap about some old John Ford Western. But this, it was just fun. It felt tonally unlike anything I'd ever seen. The action was good. For a 12-year-old, you know, I'm not saying that now as a 41-year-old, but it was kind of (laughs) witty, it was violent, it had a real kind of propulsion and momentum to it. 
And there was a period for about two years where me and my best friend at the time, it was our favorite film. We would just watch it endlessly. We would quote it endlessly. But the main reason I've picked it is because it was a kind of gateway film for me in that I now love Westerns. Like Westerns are probably my favorite genre. Once Upon a Time in the West, The Wild Bunch, Pat Graham, Billy the Kid, Unforgiven. Like I absolutely love Westerns. And this film was probably the catalyst of that mm. passion it was the one that made me go away and i didn't find those films until a few years later you know i would go and then watch sort of tombstone the first young guns oh, all the westerns that followed i love tombstone yeah I talk all day about val Kilmer's performance in tombstone he's just in a different movie altogether um but this this is a film that i think genuinely changed the sort of trajectory of my taste in films so for me it's kind of like again the best used loosely the best sequel for me because it's probably the sequel that has had the most influence on my film tastes subsequently i like to think that you went to film school because of young guns too <laughs> well that and goodfellas probably were the two wow the two lightning rods cool. yeah yeah when i watched goodfellas for the first time it genuinely was like oh right this is cinema i remember yeah, thinking yeah. why is that so much better than anything else i've ever seen and then sort of getting a Halliwell's film guide and pouring over, who is this Scorsese guy? And like, what else has he done? But anyway, Goodfellas doesn't have a sequel. Thank God. Yeah, Young, Gun- Young Guns 2 was a, was a real fork in the road. I mean, had either of you guys seen it before I uh, recommended it? No. Yeah, I, I, well, I had. A little bit like you, I wasn't really into Westerns as a kid, but my, my dad has always really liked Westerns. And so Young Guns and, kind of, and Young Guns 2 kind of become a movie we could all watch together because my dad would like it and I'd like it. And then that sort of set us off then to watching things like The Good, The Bad and The Ugly and then moving on to things like Dirty Harry and stuff that my, you know, movies that my dad really liked. So yeah, it's kind of, it's got a little bit of a special place in my heart as well, Young Guns. But you'd not seen it before, Dave. No, this is, the, this is the first time. What was your take? Was that fresh eyes, Dave? Like from the moment the score kicks in after you sort of meet the old man, Brushy Bill Roberts, who's allegedly Billy the Kid. There's this sort of lovely moment where uh, he's being interviewed by um, Brad Whitford, who then becomes Bradley Whitford of, of the West Wing fame and Get Out and stuff. Yeah, and it's yeah. quite fun watching this film, seeing all of the faces who yeah. didn't have a career when this film came out. <laughs> but suddenly you're like, oh, right, it's him. Oh, yeah, God, it's him. But the, the moment where he sort of sets up that little uh, the bookend of the film and he goes, I think the line is like, have you got any scars? And it pushes in on a, an aged Emilio Estevez's face. And it's sort of like sparkly blue eyes are remembering the past. And there's this cut of sort of over the headshot looking over a canyon and uh, Silvestri's score kicks in. I just had goosebumps remembering the music from that film. Is it because you're a big John Bond Jovi fan? <laughs> I mean, I, I think this soundtrack's good. I'm not going to go out. I'm not going to die on the John Bon Jovi hill, that's for sure. A Blaze of Glory is a fucking good track, by the way. It is a so. good tune. Yeah. Yeah. Academy Award nominated Blaze of Glory. Was it? Yeah, it's an absolute banger. John Bon Jovi could be an Academy Award winner. Wow. Okay, a point of clarification. I don't think this is the best sequel ever made, but but it felt very on brand for me to just just go like all Jaws. You ask me to come on, you give me free reign to pick films. And I personally think that Jaws 2 is not the best sequel ever made, but it is better than it has any right to be. Mm. um and i quite often defend it i have a there's maybe we'll get onto this i have a way it could be better for sure uh, and theories <laughs> around how you could fix it as well but i enjoy it quite a bit i think because it i mean obviously having one of the main trio in jaws 2 helps a great deal 
mm. um, because we'll get onto some of the other sequels later, but the the less resemblance they have to the original, the worse they get. Um, so this at least does have uh, my boy Roy Scheider in it. He doesn't really want to be there, but he got a lovely tan. So... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I, I think I agree with you actually. I, I had seen Jaws 2 before, but when I watched it again, I was like messaging Dave going, It's it's actually not bad. You know, it's, it's, bad. A, it's all right. It's it's surprisingly good, in fact. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, people, people are surprised passable. when I tell them, like, because of uh, because my love for Jaws is so well known. So when I tell people, I'm like, Oh yeah, Jaws 2 is actually pretty good, they're like, Okay. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> The problem with Jaws 2 is that it comes it follows Jaws 1 which yeah. is like pinnacle cinemas. I mean mm-hmm. it's god tier. It's it's very few films can beat it. It's it's one of the best films ever made. Compare it to some other films. It's very good. Yeah. Uh, Jaws 2. Mm-hmm. We used to have a question on some of our questions. We asked what film doesn't really need a sequel and my go-to answer was always Jaws. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm going to change that now. Because I really enjoyed yours too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. I I think the only thing that it was missing was that sprinkling of kind of Spielberg magic. Mm. You know, that's all it was really missing from making it, taking it up a notch. Yeah. Because I think it actually it had everything you needed. In, in it still has John Williams' film. score. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah. still listen yeah. to it. Why do you like it, Sarah? Or why do you think we should like it? <laughs> I, I, I mean expanding on that you know it is better than it has any any right to be because i think that's not sort of really speaking to the 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 quality of the film as a film you know you can't compare it to jaws i kind of just have to like even though it obviously is carrying on the story somewhat i have to distance it because i think it's just like apples and oranges isn't it like you can't you can't (laughs) compare the two yeah um but i my favorite character in Jaws changes daily, but I really, really like Brody as a character. I like that he is this everyman character and he goes on such a journey in the first film to being like petrified of, of water, not even wanting to like go up to his ankles when, you know, they're getting the kids out of the ocean and stuff. Like he is terrified of it. And he goes on this huge journey in, in the first film to then being the hero at the end and it's so satisfying you know the, the we all know at the great moment at the end of jaws when when he shoots the shark and it and it blows up so i think that if it wasn't brody in this film i really wouldn't <laughs> like it as much because i just i'm just happy to see that he's like he's doing okay for the most part that he i mean he goes through it a little bit in in this film um but i like that he is taken what happened to him in in the first film and is now sort of able to to cope a bit better i Mm. it's you know i think it's as soon as they when they find like the the orca as in the animal not the boat um like washed up on the beach and he's like it's a shark like straight away he is not kind of messing about this time he's not uncertain he doesn't need the experts like you know matt hooper can't come he's he's unavailable so it's all him this time and it's like he's really strong in in his beliefs and it leads to him making some mistakes like when he sees the shadows and thinks it's a shark and causes a bit of a scene but Mm. i i just like that it continues the development of him as a character and adds a bit more into it and i also just 
love that Larry Vaughan, the mayor, has learned absolutely nothing. <laughs> oh, it's just because he has a moment in in Jaws when he's like, my kids were on that beach. Like my kids could have died. When you think yeah. like, ah, oh, something's, something's getting through. Like he's realizing like what a jerk he's been. And then he gets to this and it's just like, he has learned nothing <laughs> I mean, absolutely that's nothing that's not like a politician right well evil dead 2 was was i'm saying was a lot but you know it's fine you can just cut those out and just make my sense <laughs> seem nonsensical uh, so what evil dead 2 was was um we had video what were they called video sales so there would be like a traveling video sale would come to my hometown of banbridge and they would sell x-rental video cassettes at right. the local nightclub so on a, on a Saturday morning, it would turn into these video fairs. That's what they were. They were video ah. fairs. And uh, so I went down armed with pocket money and you know, with my dad. And uh, and uh, we went around and we saw all the excellent video cassettes. And this was at the time when I was kind of seriously getting into film through things like Empire and Total Film didn't exist back then. The other <laughs> film magazine didn't exist back then. Neon didn't exist back then. So it was mainly Empire that was giving me my, my and Starburst magazines like that. That were, you know, getting me into film. And uh, so I remember going around this place and picking up like a, a bounty of stuff. Like X-Rental tapes back then were like 30, 40 quid to buy an X-Rental video. And this is before things came out in retail. And this they were going here for like five pounds a pop. And I had enough money to buy five or six. And so I bought some titles I knew and I loved. Things like Lethal Weapon 2. There's another sequel for you. Uh, things like Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. There's another sequel for you. But I my eyes lit upon Evil Dead 2 which I'd never seen, but which I had heard of through Jonathan Ross's incredibly strange film show, which if people don't know what that is, it was an extraordinary Channel 4 series, ran for a couple of series, I think, uh, in the 1980s, hosted by Jonathan Ross, who is a massive, massive film, uh, film geek, and he spotlighted cult directors from around the world. And okay. one of those cult directors was Sam Raimi. And nice. so I watched this Sam Raimi documentary and an interview with Sam Raimi, and I was just blown away by the clips that I was seeing. Things like, you know, I'd heard of The Evil Dead, but I don't think I'd seen it at that point because it was banned because it was <laughs> video nasty. I yeah. hadn't seen his second film, Crime Wave. So this would have been around about 1989, 1990. So it would have been just, probably just before Dark Man comes out. And, uh, and so I thought, oh, this Evil Dead 2 looks like the business. So I saw it and I went, I want that and I got it home and I watched it and uh, my life changed. <laughs> it was, it was, it was incredible. I had never seen filmmaking like it before. I'd never seen a director as playful before. I'd never seen a director try things like Raimi tries in that movie before. Uh, and it was, an, and it was, an, it was a, it was a come to Jesus moment for me. Except Jesus in this this case was a bloke with a chainsaw on the end of his arm. <laughs> yeah. Which is not, you know, if you're eight, nine years old, ten years old, yeah. what's not to love about a bloke with a chainsaw for an hour? I mean, that's an upgrade on Jesus for me. That's a controversial yeah. statement to say, but, you know, I had, you know, John, John Lennon got away with it, so I think I could do as well. <laughs> <laughs> I got, I'm confused by Evil Dead 2. Is it... Does it ignore the first one, or is it yes. supposed to be a recap of the first one, or what's Or a the... remake, because they yeah. had more money? It's... it's, it's having this cake and eating it and they do the same thing with Army of Darkness the third movie in that each Evil Dead movie directed by Sam Raimi remakes the previous movie in the first mm. two minutes of 
the next movie. So they they don't do that thing like the Planet of the Apes films do or the Rocky films do, where the the first five minutes is usually like just a, a previously on with stock footage or not even stock footage, just footage from the from the last film. Yeah. Uh, Raimi, I think it might have been might have been driven by rights issues, but also I think he wanted to streamline the story a little bit. Uh, so Raimi wanted to basically start Evil Dead Two where the Evil Dead ends. So the Evil Dead ends with the uh, now famous POV shot of the evil uh, which is you know always seen from the evil's POV this creeping mm. crawling camera going through the forest and then through this cabin uh, so the evil dead it goes through the cabin and uh, emerges the other side of the cabin Bruce Campbell who's the sole survivor as Ash in the first movie turns around screams at the camera goes right up to his face cut to black that's yeah. the end of the Evil Dead, uh, and then for Evil Dead Two, he basically, as you saw this morning, he picks it up from that, that exact point uh, with this deranged, incredible shot where it picks him up, flies him through the air, smacks him against trees, which were actually held, uh, manipulated by Sam Raimi himself, smacking Bruce Campbell, who's like one of his oldest friends, in the face, scratches his eyes, scratches his hands, and then thumbs into a tree falls down into a puddle, gets possessed, and we're off to the races. Uh, so he wanted to do that. I think he wanted to streamline it so that there was a focus on just one other character with Ash rather than four other characters with Ash. So we see his girlfriend, Linda, get possessed, get killed. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, again, we're off to the races. So I think that's partly what he wanted to do. Okay. My favourite sequel would have to be Star Trek II, uh, The Wrath of Khan. Brilliant choice. Great choice. It's just... I don't know if this has been talked about on here before, but just the the the, the caliber of actors that were that were in it, you know, like the, the guy who played Khan, I can't remember. His, I can never remember his name. Ricardo Montalban, Mont- wasn't it? Yeah, that's the fella. Just an epic. He that role just escalated him. Just to, you know, he just became a, just, just massive. This dude, the guy from Fantasy Island, just became. One of the yeah. best uh, cinema villains ever, and because I remember, I remember going to see the first Star Trek movie, Star Trek: The Motion Picture, and now you know because we were all familiar, we all loved the TV show. The TV show when I was a kid, even though that came out in like 1966, so I was born in 72, so I, you know I would have seen the reruns, but it was just always on, constantly on. We, my brother and I had the action figures. My brother had Mr. Spock, and I had a Klingon. And then later on, uh, we had Captain Kirk and we had, you know, and it was, they were just, you know, I mean, looking at the figures now, they're shit, but... Would you cast yourself as a Trekkie then? No, I wouldn't cast myself as a Trekkie because I haven't seen the later programmes. I saw, I did, I did saw, I saw the Picard uh, era, saw bits of that, but mm. I just love, I do love the movies of Star Trek. And mm. what makes me laugh is that, you know, this, so we had, so this, what makes me laugh is that, in this one, you know, the, the biggest shock of all was Spock dying. Yeah. And it yeah, was, yeah, I remember yeah. being in the cinema, just blubbing, just crying my eyes out. And I was with my mates as well, and they were all going, oh, what are you crying about? What are you crying about? And they, but they were crying as well. Like, oh, stop being, oh, what's wrong with you? Such a girl, right? But that bit when he just puts his hand on the glass and he just says, I will, I am and will forever be your friend. Oh my God, <laughs> just cry my eyes out. Then they spent the next ten films finding him, losing him. <laughs> just yeah, like, like you ruin it now. He's like, oh, there he is. No, no, he's not. He might be alive. I think he's dead. Is he a ghost? I don't know. And he's just 
you know, and what I really love the reboot. I love the reboots that they've done with Chris Pine and Simon mm. Pegg. They really, they really did. I mean, you know, there's there's been some others that were great, but for me, the Wrath of Khan, because the motion picture took Star Trek that we knew and loved, and then took it, it gave it an edge. It was there was a darkness. There was a lot of. It's very much like. Like, you know, like alien, that sort of that sort of vibe, you know. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the motion picture gave Star Trek an edge. It was like it was really moody. Like, there was a lot of shots of the, the Enterprise just cruising through space. A lot of darkness. Whereas the program was a little bit more kind of it was it was colourful. It was bubbly. You know, there was a there was a bit of drama. Yeah. It was daft drama. There was like a lot of overacting. You know, like William Shatner. Yeah, it was quite camp, wouldn't it? It was yeah. like Batman. Yeah, it was exactly. Like, you know. <laughs> exactly. Whereas the motion picture just gave it an edge. So we had, so you know, Alien had come out. So I think a lot of films were influenced by by that, the feeling of that, you know, like the density. Two thousand and one Odyssey is a massive. Influence oh God, yeah. The motion picture, yeah. isn't it? When they just float through a cloud for about forty-five. How mad is the ending to two thousand and one? I still don't understand it, Rich. Can you explain it to me? At the end, you're going, is this still going on? I don't know what's happening. (laughs) Up to that point, you kind of go, yeah, I understand, I understand, I understand. And then you're like, I get it, yeah. You can't not watch it because everyone's seen it. So you want to be one of the people who go, yeah, I've seen that. You know, you, yeah, you can't be because if you turn around and go, no, I haven't seen it, you just sound like you're being a dickhead. You're like, oh, well, really use it. But the most, yeah, Star Trek 2 had everything they got it because i think the motion picture was a little bit too slow there wasn't a lot mm. yeah, a lot not not a lot happened. yeah yeah it was a very atmospheric film like i say that it really captured the density of space and the loneliness of being out in that just that vast emptiness you know not knowing really what's out there but then the wrath of khan really ramped it up and yeah, ricardo was just spectacular what has been your most disappointing sequel <sighs> So I'm going to, again, I think you may have talked about this film, but it's because it's so disappointing. I just want to bring more misery to the table again. So it's got to be Batman and Robin. Yeah. Brilliant. It's yeah, just answer. just absolutely ridiculous. As a kid, as much as I raved about being a Ghostbusters fan, the original Tim Burton Batman and Batman Returns, I think are just... I think Batman, the original, is probably my favourite superhero film of all time, even after all the Marvel stuff now and everything else, The Dark Knight. I think that, for me, stands at the top. I think... I think it's just perfect. Mm. I really think the casting's great. It's dark. It's done really well. The Joker's fantastic. All the acting performances. But for some reason, they decided just to let somebody else have a go at it. And Batman and Robin is an abortion of a film. It's just... (laughs) It's the worst thing I've ever seen. Um, And it's Joel Schumacher. And he gave us Lost Boys and Falling Down. So I'm like, he should be all right it's in safe hands lost boys is probably one of my favorite vampire films ever so are you talking about batman and robin or batman forever oh is batman and robin not done by joel schumacher no it is but batman forever came first then batman and oh robin. i'm gonna go batman and robin because this is with arnie isn't it and yes yeah, yes yeah. and plus batman forever is good well, the fact it's that okay. I didn't bring it and I've, I forgot about it, I just I just kind of let it go under the yeah. radar. I'm like, I think yeah, okay. that's it. Batman Forever's Jim, Jim Carrey going... Oh, that was it. Yeah, he was on a lot of speed, I reckon. <laughs> but Batman Robin is, yeah. At that point, you're still thinking, hey, it's Batman. It's got to be good, right? This is Batman. Look at this Batman. It's George Clooney. And do you know what? George Clooney kind of left 
still with a kind of good name for himself. He's worked in good roles since, you know, and mm. he lacked that darkness. He he was too charming in this I think film. He, he very publicly came out and said how much he hated it and and also refunded people who complained about it. Like, I, from his I've own got bucket. a really good quote here actually <laughs> from him where after they filmed it and he watched it and stuff, he said it was a very difficult film to be good in. <laughs> I mean, that's how to sell your film. Like, available now. So I was thinking about this. I would probably go with, I think the Bourne franchise died a death. I remember that one because it was the three good ones. Yeah. Then there was mm. Legacy, which was this horrendous side call reboot spin-off whatever you want to call it like it's really yeah, strange god, god knows died to death it was awful that's a bad movie it's just straight up bad and then they were going to come back they said oh we're going to we're going to bring matt damon back and we're going to do one more and it's i think they just called it jason Bourne. i mm. think i think that's what it was called they did and i remember kind of thinking all right yeah do you know what? i'm up for this i quite enjoyed the first three hopefully they can kind of retcon some of the weird stuff that happened in the last one and just just a mm. good old action movie you know and it's it's born it's kind of fun it's it, it's got that political intrigue it's you know all this stuff going on and the result was just boring it was just really bland i don't i don't know if you guys remember seeing this film at all when it came out i don't think i watched it I don't i've think seen, I've seen I watched it. it on a plane and i can tell you yeah it's absolute. i can't remember anything There's it's, a, a, it's big... a plane movie it's a plane movie yeah <laughs> Yeah, um, absolutely no, right. I can't. I can't remember anything. I remember he's in it. Mm-hmm. Alisa Vikander is in it. Is Riz Ahmed in it? Uh yes, he's like a. Good I think cast. a tech guy of he's some sort. He's like an sort. Elon Musk. Yeah. It's something to do with the internet. Or yeah, something. it's something like, to do. With, I think he has like a. I think he's meant to be like a Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, I think he's a Mark Zuckerberg type, and it's meant to be like the CIA are trying to like hack this site and use it to spy on people which they already do um <laughs> but it was like they're trying to make it like this plot point and everyone, everyone sat in the cinema going yeah we know this isn't shocking <laughs> or scary this is just life um yeah. and then yeah like they say alicia vikander's in it with a weird irish accent i seem to recall which was very on and off i don't know why and then tommy lee jones is doing a harrison ford and that he doesn't want to be there but it's just quite oh, clearly yeah. in for the paycheck uh and then matt damon as well just he just seemed to be on autopilot for this movie you know it was weird i, I, mm. I remember the one thing that stood out to me i don't know why these things stay in my brain but they do when the trailer first comes out there's like a shot of him in somewhere like Romania doing like bare knuckle boxing yeah and it's like quite a, a great shot of him just like squares up to one guy and it's like bam one punch he's down and it's you know front facing like really well shot and choreographed and you're like oh cool in the movie it's shot from a completely different angle I remember like in the movie like waiting for that scene and going like well this scene was pretty good I'll see this again on the big screen and it just cuts to like somewhere in the crowd behind him so it's all obscured and you're like but you have a front facing show what i don't understand like what and i think like that's the tone of the movie it's like we have right. some good stuff in here we have stuff that we can show you and will work and will be great but for some reason we're not going to use it and yeah. that's that's just a movie it's, it's like you say very forgettable i can't really remember anything else that happens in it i don't think it does anything for the wider story of the previous three i don't know no. if any of like treadstone or any of that comes back up again i Ugh. it's just weird it's just know. it's a film that didn't need jason bourne it's like you could have just cast anyone else in this and just called it action man or like generic i don't know jack yeah. ryan jack richard jack thomas or jack whoever <laughs> another jack and it would have been fine hey, sti- you're sticking with jack though like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well that's what they're all called apparently so because <laughs> the first three is a, a pretty it's a pretty strong trilogy like as far as yeah yeah, three solid. films go. It's it's yeah. it's up there. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm just thinking of like an action hero called Keith. 
<laughs> That's what it would be, yeah. Keith, Keith Bourne. Yeah. to you in the cinema's <laughs> An accountant by day, superhero by night. Yeah. <laughs> I still watch it. <laughs> So what? So what is your worst sequel ever? Then let's roll into it. Sex and the City Two. Wow, oh, that's horrible. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I I just felt. I mean, the cringe. I I you know, and I think because I had watched Sex and the City, it was it was targeted towards people like me. I'd watched the whole series. I really liked it. You know, Be and good. I didn't really think about. I mean, let me give you this this weird statistic that. Throughout Sex and the City, which ran for like over a hundred episodes, hundred and yeah, over six seasons, right? So well over a hundred yeah. episodes. Yeah, it's back. It's back when the days when seasons were like twenty-five episodes and really been... long seasons. So get this: there were a total of three people of color in the show's six seasons. Wow! Out of yeah, out of ninety-five to a hundred and eight different partners that these women had. Wow! So. <laughs> So it was quite tone deaf because New York City being, you know, a, a yeah. very kind of multicultural city. Like oh, massively, yeah. That was, that was quite shocking. And then to see, and, you know, even in that, though, you know, you saw some bits that I, I had liked, you know, Samantha dates in one, one show, she dates a black man and the sister kind of, there's this reverse racism happening and she kind of berates her sister. And you see some, some moments that weren't tone deaf. In, mm. in, in those shows. And I felt like that the series didn't, it, it didn't bug me so much that there weren't so many people of color in it because it was about these four women and we we saw them and, and what they did. But this sequel was, you know, it's, it's like supposed to be proudly feminist, mm. but, you know, it was just straight up, you know, Islamophobic and, you know, kind of yeah. just, just everything that it set out to be just, reversed in this film i remember the first time i watched it and dave, dave didn't watch it and i t- kind of when i'm watching movies i'm sometimes sometimes messaging him and i'm like is this this is really racist like i can't, like, I can't believe it was like not a 90s movie you yeah know, the you know it's like <laughs> what it's it's horrible it's yeah. really awful yes this I viewing mean, were I was blessed that this was my first ever viewing of Sex and the Sea 2 and it oh will be yeah. my last. I'm never watching this never. shit again. Please don't watch it. Save your time and energy. And I've, I've obviously I've, I've watched I've read a lot about it. I've seen the Mark Commode rants and I watched it again today and I think he nails it. And I thought it can't be as bad as everyone tells me it is. And then I checked the runtime mm-hmm. and I thought, whoa, yeah, over two and a half hours. It's long. Is, yeah. yeah, not a lot happens. It's just not a lot happens. It's basically the same women doing the same things. They put them in in Abu Dhabi supposedly, and they assume that Abu Dhabi, you know, they assume a lot about the women of Abu Dhabi. And yeah, yeah. Mm. it's it's really interesting because you think when you look at the amount of young women who fall pregnant in you know teenage pregnancies in America, yet these women are judging the Emiratis. For, for being that. And you're just thinking, whoa, what is yeah. going on here? You know, and that the scene with the hookah, I mean, I don't know whether <laughs> that was just, yeah, I think Dave just threw, threw up in his mouth a little bit there. As <laughs> soon as they land in Abu Dhabi, yeah. it is, it is. Yes. Yeah. Can't even it's describe. Horrible. It is horrible. And yeah. 
I like you. I've I've watched a fair bit of Sex in the City in my time. Like hmm. I don't remember the characters being this horrible. Yes. And yeah. Yeah. Well, just a bunch of dickheads, really, <laughs> in every every way. And there's no, and they don't learn anything in the movie. They don't. They really don't. Because obviously, you know, it comes to the final final bit, and it's like everybody hates Americans. Is is what they kind of gave us well, as the, the the kind of culmination of this horrible, horrible film. And we thought, well, they would if you all behaved like that. Well, yeah. <laughs> quite, quite rightly, it would seem. <laughs> Highlander did well as a film. They had a good cast. They had a good soundtrack. A very good soundtrack. But yeah, the whole premise of Highlander, it's on the bloody cover, guys. There can be <laughs> only one. They get it down to one. Instead of going, hey, we want more Highlander films. How do we do that? Well, they are immortal and we do have the whole of time. Maybe we should look back to another era and set it when there's a lot more immortals and maybe there's some sort of event akin to the yeah. gathering. Maybe we should go back and do that. Or we could go forward, <laughs> set it in a dystopian future, have them be aliens, have more aliens arrive, and because the aliens arrived, they reenact the uh, old uh, immortal mechanism... Uh, yeah, that's great. How are we going to skim that? How are we going to sell that to people? Old yeah. man Connor McLeod falls asleep at the opera and we, <laughs> Sean Connery just comes on a voiceover and goes, remember the planet Zeiss, McLeod. <laughs> and you're like, the what? Is that, did, did I miss that in the first film? Where we were rebellions together. Oh no, I didn't miss it. They're literally going to another planet. And they're clearly like the film June. Like, that's, yeah. that's it. It's mad. It's the, it's the laziest name yeah. for a planet. Zeist. Yeah. Oh, it makes me... <sighs> How does that work in the timeline of Highlander, Matt? It doesn't. It, it doesn't. doesn't. There could be only one. There's one. But there's another planet. Also, like, they suddenly decide that... the Like, the amount of times... They quote Queen, but for one line, <laughs> they literally about forum go. It's a kind of magic, and it's essentially. Oh God, I hate it so much. <laughs> essentially, wink to camera, and you just go, "Fuck yeah. you!" Actually, <laughs> fuck you. And they've got like, oh, just it he does it me. once in the first one, and it really grated on me. And then they do it four times in this yeah. one, and I was like, "Ah, oh, if I didn't have to watch it for this podcast, I would have turned it off." The, the, <laughs> the only thing that keeps me glued to the thing is Sean Connery just doesn't looks like he doesn't give a fuck. He doesn't. He's care. having the best yeah. time. Isn't this he? is his Jaws four in terms of Michael Caine, how he was in Jaws four. He yeah. doesn't care. Like, and again, like going back to their first law, the whole joke about Sean Connery was he was a Scotsman who was a Spaniard who was clearly Scottish. In that one, they go, oh, well, let's just have him come back in Scotland. Okay, I get that because that's where he died. Yeah, but every time it's on sk screen, we'll play bagpipes. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> also, he's magic now. Okay. Yeah. Also, yeah. he uh, he can pay for clothes with an earring. I don't think mm -hmm. any, anyone's going to accept an earring for clothing. And then there's a whole scene missing. Sure, he paid for the flight with his one earring. Uh, sorry, his suit. <laughs> How did he pay for his flight? How did he figure out? That is the film. If Highlander 2, someone said to me, this is what we're doing. Okay, so the film leads up to Sean Connery going to the airport and figuring out an airport. 
I would watch the shit out of that film. Like, <laughs> does it have a passport? Obviously. <laughs> does, it yeah. have, does it have money? <laughs> he has no idea how a plane works. Like, it's the 80s, man. It's not the, the 50s where you can just buy a ticket. Like, he has to go through customs. What is going on in that airport that they cut out? Oh, it's the future, man. We blotted Goodness. out the sun like Mr. Burns. Did you? Oh, why? <laughs> <laughs> because it's the 80s and we're talking about the ozone layer. Great. It's an eco film. This is one of those films that on paper is amazing. If you made this film and didn't attach it to the Highlander franchise, great. It's a film about an old guy who saves the world, turns into a dystopian future. You find out he's an alien. Other aliens come, rejuvenate him, and it's just weird as fuck. I'd be like, this is the most cult film ever. The fact you've tied it onto the most cult film ever absolutely sickens me to my stomach. <laughs> you, yeah. you disgust me, filmmakers. <laughs> Like, mad. When did you see first watch it? What was your first experience? Were you like, wow, Highlander's amazing. I can't believe there's a sequel. So along with my grand, I have a, I had, Love a grand. I had a network of old people who just gave me videos they shouldn't. So Mr. Bingley over the road uh, used to have Mrs. Bingley would lend me some Mavis, Auntie Mavis, we called her. She she'd lend me Disney films. But Mr. Bingley would let me take whatever. So I saw all of Arnie's films because he was an absolutely Arnie fanatic. And he Wonderful. Loved, he, loved, he loved just this genre of sort of like schlocky 80s action movies, which were a bit sci-fi, yeah. a bit fantasy. So he lent me Highlander. I obviously watched it nine times back to back over a weekend. Like literally, there's, there's a few films like that I can remember watching, stopping, rewinding and watching straight away again. Highlander was one of them. Nightmare Before Christmas, <laughs> the weekend I got that. <laughs> my granddad, generally I remember my granddad being in the chair. I think I was just pressing rewind for the fifth time that Saturday. <laughs> and he went, no, no. If I have to watch that skeleton sing one more time, I'm throwing you out. Because I was that sort of kid that would be like, okay, we've watched this. Let's watch it again. My little so, boy is yeah. exactly the same. Yeah. yeah, If he likes something, he will rewind it and watch it again. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the thing with Highlander. I took it back and he was like, there's a Highlander too. And I was like, oh. He warned you. My... No. Did, oh. he, did, he, did he fuck? Just sent me out going, <laughs> hey, Matt, this is pretty much the same as the last one, except you might want to keep your ear on that first voiceover because there's, <laughs> there's a few little nuggets of information you need. I think there are worse films that are sequels than yep, The Matrix absolutely. Revolutions. That's a given. I have a particular bugbear with uh, Jaws 3 or Jaws 3D, whatever it's being called these days. <laughs> yeah, that's horrible. Partly because it's awful, but also because um, there's a sort of sequence or extended sequences where there are, I think it's SeaWorld or a version of SeaWorld in the sort of tunnel and they're trapped underwater as the shark attacks. But I, for most of my sort of child and then adult life, thought, that's what SeaWorld, in, in particular the Sea Life Center in Portsmouth, was like. In that, when you went and visited, you just went under the sea in this tunnel, and there would be fucking <laughs> sharks and rays and dolphins and everything. So much so that I, I didn't want to go there because I'd seen Jaws and I was scared. Eventually, I was old enough to go, and I went with my niece. Took her there, thinking this is going to be brilliant. We're going to go like completely under the water in the ocean. Not thinking logically as a grown man that like. How old were you at this point? Sorry, I have to. I, just... I would have. I would have been uh, early thirties. Okay, 30s. so you should have known better. Okay, I just wanted to. I absolutely should have known better. It's the equivalent of one of your parents telling you a fact as a kid that's clearly a joke, but because your brain is still forming, you just yeah. go, "Oh right, yeah, that's what that." And then 
20 years later or university you say a thing casually in the pub and everyone turns to you and goes sorry what what <laughs> and then you explain and then in the explanation you realize oh yeah sorry my dad was pranking me when i was five years old and i've just carried that with me like my entire life <laughs> this was a sort of real world physical version of that where i took my niece in and i had hyped it up so much i was like it's gonna be like sharks swimming past us and everything and we walked in and it was just essentially a hallway with a fish tank above it with a few fucking tiny fish. And yeah. the look of disappointment and contempt on her face was just like, this guy's a loser. Like, what is this old guy? And before that, I'd been like the kind of cool uncle who would come down. It'd be all exciting. So I've got particular beef with Jaws 3 for that reason. Your explanation is brilliant because I, I lived in Portsmouth for quite a while. And I know that Sea Life Centre very well because my I have a six year old who is obsessed with all things sea creatures. So we have been to that we have been to that Sea Life Centre quite a few times. Yeah, it's just awful. But it's probably not awful if you haven't it's seen Jaws Three. <laughs> if you want a really good one, go to Dubai and their shopping mall. That's exactly what you're describing. It's and like you walk through a tunnel and it's you're completely surrounded. But uh, the reason why that isn't the worst sequel for me is because it doesn't matter how bad that or any of the subsequent. Jaws films. It doesn't matter how much Michael Caine tries, you can't <laughs> diminish how good a film Jaws is. Yeah. Like you can watch Jaws with complete immunity because it's a masterpiece. And I feel the same way about the first Die Hard. I sort of have a bit of a soft spot for Die Hard too, but I think that's partly some kind of Stockholm syndrome of it being on telly every week for the past 25 years. But Die Hard is still brilliant. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how many five, six, seven, eight, or however many Bruce Willis churns out. It's just such a perfect action film. But mm. I think the Matrix sequels, as we've touched on, they do diminish the first Matrix. I think they really, really undermine a lot of what I personally thought that film was about and what it was trying to say and how clever and smart it was. So it's it's hard not to sort of hate the Matrix sequels the most because they ruined a the thing that I really loved prior to them. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Is there a point where you just, in in the film, you think this is just shit? I've seen it once and a bit so I saw it at the cinema and I tried to watch it again probably a couple of years after it came out on DVD. I thought, all right, I'll give it another chance. Maybe I was in a bad mood. And I think probably 20 minutes into that, I was like, oh yeah, no, it's just all it's just all third act. It's this sort of big, bloated, pompous, boring mess. Like it looks great. Visually, it looks amazing. Because I think visually, you know, Speed Racer looks fucking amazing. Yeah. But it, it's just garbage. It barely makes sense. And, and you don't care about anyone or anything that's happening. It's kind of a cautionary tale that often I think more is less. You know, when, when Trinity is willing Neo to get up at the end of that first film, like it's such an incredible moment. You're so completely invested in the characters and what they stand for and what they believe in. And the complete opposite is the case here. I just didn't care about any of it and to go from that the sort of 10 out of 10 completely kind of game changing these guys have genuinely created new technology that has been built into the storytelling in such a way that's so innovative to the feeling of deflation when i came out of that third film i mean that should be applauded in itself <laughs> is that like watching your niece like heartbreak from <laughs> sea World yes do you know what i experienced what she experienced yes <laughs> Why don't you like this film? Oh, because it's bad. Because um, <laughs> I, I, I just want to say up top, I went into this movie hoping for the best. You know, I'm somebody, when I watched Man of Steel, I liked it. It, it has its problems, but overall, I kind of like it as a movie. I think it's all right. It definitely suffers from 
the Zack Snyder style over substance filmmaking and it suffers from the trend that was at the time with superheroes of everything has to be dark and gritty and they've got to have a dark origin and we can't call him Superman because that's too childish. Let's call him Man of Steel. You know, and it's like, yeah, okay, fine. If you want your dark and gritty origin story for the beacon of hope that is meant to be Superman, fine, you can have that. And the movie kind of ends on that optimistic note it ends with like mm. okay we've had this now now he's gonna go and be superman and so i thought cool all right the second one that's that's what we'll see right and oh we're getting batman in this movie fine you know i, I i'm familiar with dark knight returns as, as the inspiration i think it's a really solid story yeah let's see it on the big screen and this movie just i talk about misunderstanding the source material i mean good grief so stay sticking with superman for a second you know like i said the, the previous movie ended yeah, you can sit back. I'm literally going to just rant for like an hour. This I, was first... just, I was just going to say, this is going to be one of those ones where we don't have to say a thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and I'll start talking quicker and just, yeah, out of breath. and You'll, you'll hear me smashing things and, yeah. No, um, I'll try, I'll try, keep it contained. Now, this first movie, so like, yeah, right. Superman, Man of Steel ends on that note of like, he's going to be Superman in the next movie. And you're like, fair enough, cool. In this film, Dawn of Justice, which dumbass title but i know that wasn't snyder's fault so I'll, I'll let him off for that this movie it just sends the character backwards you know it, it doesn't progress him in any way it doesn't sort of go okay now he's superman he's supermanning about it just it pulls him back into the dark and gritty it, it it's it doesn't let superman be superman in this film it just has him flying around and looking sorry for himself and like oh no one understands me like some sort of teenager and you're like what are you doing like you're wasting this character and you're wasting the actor you know, Henry Cavill is a very charming and charismatic actor. He could be a fantastic Superman if yeah. you just let him. But this movie mm. won't because it's just, it has to be dark and it has to be super serious and su- Superman can't be happy. And there's even a montage in this film where he saves a bunch of people and he just looks really sad and he's like in slow motion and he's obscured. Like he's this unknowable deity. Yeah. It's like, for God's sake, like he's a character. He's a, uh, you're asking me to pick a side in a minute because these guys are going to fight. So I, as an audience member, have to invest in one of these people. It ain't going to be him because I don't know him. Because you're not letting me. You're you're mm. just making him this super unlikable. Just because you love slow mo so much. Yes. <laughs> even he even makes Clark Kent boring. Exactly. Yeah. He gets nothing. To, and I don't blame Harry Cavill for this. I just feel sorry for him. I remember watching the movie, going like, "Oh, you poor guy. You've got nothing to do in this movie." All right. Fine. I guess we're we're not progressing the story of him. Mm. All right. What film sequel were you dragged to and you didn't think was good, but then you enjoyed the sequel more than the first one? I, I don't know. It came to me in a second. I, I just what popped up. Hot Shots Part Two. Oh, really? Yeah. Was, yeah. Oh, my my sister. I some no. What's my sister? Some someone in my family wanted to see it, and I was like, "How long is it? It's like it's so stupid." And oh god, it's it's better than the first. It's it so is. Good. Yeah. It's it's, it's so great. Good. Oh, such a, such a good Charlie Sheen. <laughs> I remember watching it on VHS at like a friend's birthday party, like like Hot Shots Part Two, and like thinking, mm. like oh, loved it, absolutely yeah. loved it. And I don't, it's I haven't so seen the first one. I've only seen the second one at that point. Oh, I just loved. Have you so seen much. all the films it referenced, Rich? Because I remember no, a lot of that. No. Rambo Hansing. I guess that's that where, Yeah, it's a scene when Martin Sheen's in it in Apocalypse Now, yeah. boat, coming towards Charlie Sheen's boat. And they both say, loved you in Wall Street. Uh, Wall Street, Wall Street I like, yeah. I, Wall Street, I know yeah. and know none of those films you're referencing, but it's still hilarious. Yeah, I don't think I got any of the references in it. I was just like, this is hilarious. And I was also in love with Valeria Galino. 
in that movie. Like she is yeah. beautiful in that movie. Yeah. I was like, I love her. <laughs> uh, that was it. How old were you at that point? Do you remember? I was like nine, like nine. Yeah. I was like nine years old. I'm sorry, I, I went to so many things that you just like, <laughs> it was just when we were younger, it was, a, it's, it's people were just a bit more laissez-faire about kids watching. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, Oh, I also, I, you know, I, I was just thinking, I, I think um, I like the scary movies, like the Marlon Wayans. I like up to part three. Okay. Uh, I, part two, I think is the funniest of all three. Like, I think it's very, very funny. Because, mm. I mean, they, listen, I know they, they unfortunately started a trend and everyone started making these spoof movies. And then, it, yeah, you know, we've been we've endured the pain of this but the originators of it you know not really the originators because like airplane really like kicked it all off it's just by the way one of the greatest comedies ever made yep airplane 2 is not no. so yeah <laughs> yeah it is it is harder to pull off a sequel like it like for when you're in the comedy genre yeah i think i think it all becomes really difficult because yeah. it's that it's that initial magic and really trying to recreate it it's hard predators there you go. Yes. So there's a movie. I mean, you know, because it's probably an inverse um, situation from The Predator, where I went into The Predator hoping for something truly great because of Shane Black, who I worship. And yep. again, I got The Predator, which is just a complete misfire. And his sensibilities just didn't mesh at all well with, with that franchise. Uh, you know, I know he, he had his battles with the studio. So that wasn't great. And, um, but Predators, I went in expecting complete tosh, and it is tosh to an extent, but it's also really fun. And so I've seen it a number of times now, Predators. So within that franchise, I think Predators is a, is not the most recent example, but it's one that's just popped into my head. That's a good that's a good example, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I always think of Fast Five when we talk about this. Oh, yes. Because that's a really good film. Like, it has no right to be. That's really fun and, yeah. Well. Yeah, I mean, as, I, as I've said on the Empire podcast, uh, Fast Five is the pinnacle of human existence. And it is the point from which you can chart our ultimate decline and extinction. It all it all ends with Fast Five, because there's no point. You might as well have stopped um, from that exact moment on. Yeah, Fast Five is a great, a great shout, actually, because, you know, it was a franchise that you had written off. I don't know about you guys, Absolutely. but certainly I'd, I'd written it off. Um, I'm not even sure I'd seen Fast and Furious when I saw Fast Five. But I remember looking at the trailer, and the trailer ends with uh, Paul Walker riding a car on the bonnet of a car as Finn Diesel drives it off a cliff. And I was going, this isn't what I remember this franchise being. <laughs> and I, uh, yeah. I, was like, I was stealing DVDs a minute ago. Yeah. Now. What, what are you doing? What, this is madness. And uh, so I went to see it, and uh, it blew me away because it's just such a, a fun, effervescent, off-its-face action movie. That's, Absolutely. I don't think the franchise is even well. Some people will say Fast Seven does, but I don't think the other the other movies since have really even come close to it. There's those that classic list of sequels that are better than you know the original. Um, what what you would know, you aliens. put? What would you put in that? Aliens? Oh, Aliens and T Two, Terminator Two. There's you know, um, not Godfather Two. 
actually. I think um, I, I, I came close, but I didn't dare. I didn't dare put that as the worst sequel. I thought that would be just me being a bit up myself and a bit arch. Wow. Okay, uh, I, I'm, I'm acceptable saying it's not as good as the first one, but you're saying you think it's not a good sequel or a good film. I think it's boring and overblown and too long. I do too. It's, it's, it's two separate <laughs> movies. And this whole thing, yeah. oh yeah, but it, the comparison between, you know, um, you know, between uh, De Niro and, and Pacino's yeah, characters, yeah. like, fuck off, you know? It's just, <laughs> you know, I just think it's, it's I, I don't get it. I actually, and this will, I mean, you're, I'll, you're probably going to kick me off this podcast when <laughs> nope, I say this. Nope. I okay. enjoyed Godfather 3 more than Godfather 2. I think Godfather 3 is one of the most wrongly maligned sequels of all time. I, lo- I love that movie. Do you know that's the answer to this question then? <laughs> oh, yeah, well, you, you go. You yeah. hated the second one. Oh, yeah. And then you, and then you watch the third one and you're like, that's the, hey, yeah. that's better. <laughs> that's that's a really good... That's a, I, I think Godfather 3 is brilliant. The helicopter shootout when uh, when the, you know, oh, he's in the high-rise yeah. thing, I think that's absolutely fantastic. That's like Die Hard meets the Mafia. And uh, and I just, I actually think that Sofia Coppola's performance, I loved her performance. Oh, come on. No, I, I thought there was just a, because she's supposed to be this, this person who's just not connected in any way with the family. So I think having her doing, let's, you know, the most complimentary way, very naturalistic style. I think that I, I really liked it. And I love the colours, that kind of, the, the, the colourisation, that kind of sepia brown kind of colouring that was, I, I thought it was great. I've never seen Godfather 3, but I totally agree with you on 2. I found, I found it overblown and boring and dull. And you're the first person who've ever said, who's ever said the same thing. Everyone always loves <laughs> Godfather Part 2, but I, I'm so glad there's someone else in the world that thinks the same that I do. <laughs> not... But yet no, no one's picked it on this podcast no. yet. We've... I gave Rich a list. I was like, these ones are going to come up quick. Yeah. Okay. So Aliens, yeah. Terminator 2, Godfather 2, there's Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. And mm. no one has picked Godfather 2 or Empire Strikes Back yet as their best ever sequels. Well, I can understand it. We've got, well, I thought you would get, yeah, maybe got, maybe because Godfather 2 is always on that list. But yeah. I'm surprised no one's done Empire. No. No. So yet. am I. Because I, <laughs> we want to talk about that one. Yeah. <laughs> But Pacino in the third one, you do get that classic line that I, that I thought I was out and they dragged me back oh, in. Oh, goosebumps, goosebumps. <laughs> I remember seeing that on the trailer and, and that was it for me. That was just, he's you know, because he is the most watchable scene-chewing actor in the history of cinema. I'm going to have to go um, watch Godfather 3 now. <laughs> there's two versions now, Rich, because oh, right. there's like a re-edit like last year oh, or they? something. Oh, okay. Oh, it's, I must called see the, that. it's called the Coda edit or something like that. Oh, okay. Uh, so I'd be interested to see what you think of that, Dom. Um, yeah. I haven't watched it yet. Either. Apparently it's a better film. What is your dream sequel? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm excited about Speaking this. Speaking about drinking wine. <laughs> <laughs> Let's party! <laughs> okay. Should we try and do it together? I love that you're as coordinated as we Talking are. Talking about <laughs> films that represent you, I do feel like I have a special place in my heart for, for Kristen Wiig's character in this. Yeah. She, yeah. She Hella me, relatable. I am her. Yeah. <laughs> she is me. I am her. We are one. <laughs> I cannot tell you the amount of weddings I've had to go to, the weddings I have been a part of that I haven't wanted to be a part of. I can't tell you how much I hate Hindus. <laughs> Just... 
yeah, the vibe of that whole film is so strong. And as the one of my friends who's the bit of a fuck up and earns the least money, <laughs> I feel it. I feel it so deeply down inside me. <laughs> um, oh dear. We actually, even though we've picked this film as our dream sequel, we have not discussed it whatsoever. Have so I? I have no what? idea what Daisy's dream idea of a bridesmaid sequel is. Oh, my theory wow. is, right, we're getting so many... Like, the whole sequel thing has been going on for since the dawn of time. And now we've got, like... The, then we have, like, the reboots and the soft reboots. And now we've got the legacy sequels. I portmanteau, portmanteau that in case anyone was... Legacy sequels. Legacy sequels. And just coming hot off... Stealing just that. coming hot off just Jurassic World Dominion, which made me want to claw my own eyes out. I just feel like sometimes we just need to take the characters from the first one and see where they are a few years later <laughs> and just let them do what they want and kind of just have the same thing happen happen again. Just meet back up for the vibes. This Bridesmaid yeah. 2 is what we should have had instead of Hangover 2 and Hangover 3, is my theory. Agreed. Hangover 2 yeah. is one of the darkest films I've ever seen. Like, I don't think we all as a society discuss how well, dark Hangover Considering Todd is. Phillips directed it, I think he considered we were in a society... <laughs> Um, <laughs> but no just, yeah that, that film really really the fact not that funny. we got three really hangover dark. films and one bridesmaid film misogyny yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no I just feel like there's we've lost the funness of sequels everything has to be part of the cinematic universe or bring back the people from the originals just so they can pose in the same way so that everyone goes oh yes 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 i remember or it has to i get that reference i remember yeah. like it's just like yeah. or, or it has to or it's like doing this new gritty version no sometimes i just want to see say characters fuck around again in a couple of different versions of the same scenes we've already seen you know and the perfect yeah. way to do that is just something with bridesmaids where it literally is as simple as someone else in the group gets married like no no yeah. I don't need any other information I don't need any kind of plot all you need to do is roll the dice on these characters what <laughs> continue what other situations would they get in if they all had to do that all over again I want to see where Annie and Rhodes get married like mm -hmm. That kind of when she's the bride, when Annie's the bride. Yeah, that would that, that's such a good <laughs> shout actually because it's slightly new and slightly different. But that's option A because I had two oh, options for my dream. But that's very much option A because if you do that one, then you get the great thing that we can introduce some of Annie's other friends. Yes, and so that's when you bring Amy Poehler in, and that's yes! when you bring all those guys in, and yeah. you have a great time. And then you can bring back as many of the old cast as you can, but you don't have to bring them all yeah. back and say they don't want to come back that's really because technically point. they weren't her. Yeah. friends mm. and also then like it would be quite funny because Annie is like seen as this like lower class kind of trashier person just because she doesn't have as much money so like <laughs> if because the problem the only problem with being Annie's wedding is you have to have to have Rose Byrne back yeah. it yeah. doesn't work yeah. about Rose Byrne yeah. so you have to find a way to bring her in. she could it. be like the wedding planner or something like she could yeah. just gonna say yeah. that she could have <laughs> gone like, off and made her own Thing. makes the trashiest wedding like really insulting yeah. but not meaning like you like <laughs> really tacos. passive aggressive just have a taco cake and he'd be like no. yeah because it could be it could be set up as if like 
like they've kind of made amends now and um they're civil yeah they see each other at parties you know, at birthdays and like what is um i'm just sorry i'm terrible with forgetting things at the moment they're but... both godmothers to the child of my yeah. rudolph so my rudolph's like mm. just give her a chance like she'll be great like and they've kind of like put their things aside and maybe there's a reason like maybe like annie's wedding planner like just falls through at the last minute and she's like desperate Annie doesn't have a wedding planner annie is not the kind that's of person that's very that has a true planner. so, so that's something that drastic needs to Maya happen Rudolph's gift no oh, that's my yeah. Rudolph's gift to her I'm gifting you Even a wedding and she's like mm, thanks <laughs> I didn't want this <laughs> no I love that oh fuck why are they making this if you've ever met me or know any of my work from Skip to the End or Mark and Me the fact it's called Mark and Lovely. Me Mac and Me Too you know it's the film that you didn't realise you needed in your life until it's out <laughs> I'll start from the beginning when did you first see this were you in in eighty eight? Were you were you no. one of the people who saw it in the cinema? Nope. Uh, there was only two people that saw it in the cinema, I think, <laughs> and that was the wife of the director and one of the kids. Um, it was one of the biggest flops ever. Uh, yeah. People people said it was an ET ripoff, but I think it's the film that ET tried to be. <laughs> Did you guys? And I'm flipping the question to you guys. Have you guys seen Macamy until I announced I was coming on here and no. who's going to do this? Nope. No. I'm aware of the what the alien looked like. So when I'd seen the alien on your podcast, on your podcast graphics, I've seen yeah. the alien's face, Max's face. I've like, oh, I've got a vague memory of that from you know way back in in the histories of time. I have a vague memory of what that alien looked like, but no, I hadn't seen the film. I and... I kind of know of it because I'm a film nerd, so I know bad films, but I also know it from. Paul Rudd on the Cohen. Oh God! Every time he goes on, he gives them the scene. Yeah, and he <laughs> fools them every time. I think it's about twenty times now. But no, I've never watched it, and it's extremely hard to get. We had to watch a copy mm. on YouTube, which wow. wasn't which wasn't full screen, Mark. It oh. was, I would say, quarter of the screen. Really. Wow. Yeah, it was quite hard to watch. I mean, it was quite uh, hard to watch in lots of ways. Yes. But this particular copy was quite hard to watch. <laughs> Can you at all understand why I've got a love for it in a weird, stupidy way that it's just ridiculous that sometimes you've got to just love the stuff that everyone else hates? I think we've got to talk through it. I've got some questions. All right. Um, <sighs> <laughs> I think I said to Dave, or maybe it's to my wife, I was like, you know, sometimes there are some films that are so bad, they're good. Well, I thought this one was so bad, it's bad. Like it's, gone, it's gone past good. This podcast was going so time. well. I was enjoying myself, I'm, and now I'm we sorry. end with me crying. <laughs> so do you own it? Do you, are you one of the guys? I've got it? the DVD, uh, which you can get available at all sort of Amazon for like eight ninety nine. Um But Screen Factory have released a deluxe Blu-ray. Uh, yeah. But it's region A locked, so I can't watch no. it. But I was looking for it, thirty-four quid or something, a German version. Bargain. <laughs> you asked me then if I'd seen it in the eighties. I hadn't seen it until about five years ago. Um, yeah. Ben brought it to skip to the end as one of the rewatches, and we had this like period where we were bringing really bad films. I remember the Birdemic one. Or Birdemic. Birdemic too. was one of the first. Then he bought The Room, which I hadn't seen. Tommy Wiseau, and that changed okay. my life. Um, and I think I bought Troll too. Yeah, and then we yeah. had like no, no trolls in Troll Two. Bat- battles. What's the what's the John Travolta one? 
that's in oh, space. Battlefield Earth. Yeah, yeah, and we're trying to all outdo each other with showgirls and the worst, you know. Like, and then suddenly Ben was, or one of us was like, Mac and me. And I was like, okay, let's give it a go. And I remember me, Ben, and Adam, I think, sat there and watched it before the recording. And I was just in tears of laughter, like, how? How are they plugging McDonald's? <laughs> oh so obviously. So Coca Cola. And it's like, uh, talk about iRobot being bad for product placement. This is the worst I've ever seen. And like, I don't get this whole film. And I was just lost, but I was also obsessed and like infatuated with this. Like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. I think I came away from watching it going, I really want some Skittles. Yeah. <laughs> and a can of Coke and a Big Mac. <laughs> Turns out a can of Coke brings dead aliens back to life. Who knew? Who knew? Well, we'll come to that in a minute. <laughs> I, I had to make sure that it was real, that I didn't just dream what I watched. So I kind of just started it again. So I was like, I, did I just watch what I thought I watched? Yeah. It, I did. So you're, and it does leave open for a sequel. So you are. Mm, it does. He drives yeah. off in that pink Cadillac. They're accepted. Well, you say he drives off. Well, he, his dad. Drive. Yeah, his dad he drives off. Drive. The Mac family. They drive <laughs> off and they've been accepted to America and they're not outsiders anymore, outcasts. You know, Which they're welcome. sweet when you think about it. It's got a big significance in today's world. We should be more like that and accepting Absolutely. of every alien that comes to the planet. That first Hellboy movie, I loved the kind of Lovecraftian elements to it. The, it's basically just a huge... Lovecraftian monster movie with all of these like Nazi elements to it. And it was a very kind of dark movie. So the way it was shot, it was shot in like these muted blues and greys. And it wasn't a movie that I saw at the cinema. I actually caught it on DVD, but I loved that Hellboy movie immediately because it's very much my sort of thing. Because as I said, I'm a huge nerd and I love stuff like that. And again, it was like Del Toro's world building. And he wasn't really given a great deal of creative control on that movie. And I think it shows a little bit the constraints that he had with that movie. But he had like the perfect cast in that movie because we had the legendary Ron Perlman as Hellboy. Amen. What yeah. a man. We've already mentioned him in Pacific Rim and they didn't use him in Pacific Rim Uprising because they were morons. But Ron <laughs> Perlman is the absolute dude. And he is, he is Hellboy to me. He's the only person who could be Hellboy. I feel very sorry for David Harbour because there was no way that his movie could ever compete, even though that is a movie that does have some very interesting scenes and some very interesting things in it, yeah. but otherwise a bit of a mess. So going from that first Hellboy movie in 2004, we got that first Hellboy movie. And then in 2008, we got, they, they basically said, look, we're doing another Hellboy movie, Hellboy 2 The Golden Army. And as soon as I saw that movie, I... Because it was so Del Toro, everything about it. You had these beautiful. It was like a stark contrast between the looks of the two movies. You had you went from these like mm. dark blues and greys to this rich yellows and reds and this beautiful world realized only the way Del Toro could realize it. Where essentially it boils down to the last prince of his kind against the last prince of his kind. Yeah, and that is basically what the Golden Army is all about. And I have such an affection for those two movies. And then obviously when we got to the end of The Golden Army and how wonderful that movie is and how beautiful it looked and how emotional that movie was as well in so many ways, I felt like there was always a point where they were like, we're going to make a Hellboy 3. And I was like, yes, yeah. this is what I want. Give me the Hellboy 3 that I want. And so many other fans across the world were basically saying the same thing. Look, we want this Hellboy 3. When's it going to happen? 
And that was basically the only thing on the internet for a period of time is when is Hellboy 3 going to happen? And it was always, yeah, we're going to do it, but Guillermo del Toro is going to do this instead. And then he's going to go to this. Oh, no, Ron Perlman's busy with this. Because it was, as with most movies, especially with sequels, it's a case of, right, you need to get your director. You need to get all your stars aligned. Literally, literally stars aligned. See what I did there? Um, (laughs) All of that. Everyone needs to be available and ready to work and do this movie. And obviously, you want the same cast involved. You want Doug Jones because he's incredible. There is no one else who could be Abe Sapien other than Doug Jones. You need Selma Blair because you need Liz Sherman in a Hellboy 3 because she's the mother of Hellboy's twins. And then you get the twins involved. And what are the twins going to be? And there were so many possibilities for what they were going to do. And was was Hellboy going to bring about the apocalypse? Or was it going to be one of his twins bringing about the apocalypse? And all of this really cool stuff. Basically, what I'm saying is, I don't know if I've told you, my dream sequel is Hellboy 3. But (laughs) it has to be, I feel like I've gone a roundabout way of telling you what it is, but it has to be directed by Guillermo del Toro and it has to star Ron Perlman because there is no other universe where Hellboy 3 would be acceptable directed by anyone else and starring anyone else as Hellboy because you have to have those two elements. And those were some of the best bits of season three of Unequal Sequel. That sort of worked, right? <laughs> Brilliant. Um, wow. 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 What a series. Yeah. We're officially done now. Considering, let's be completely honest, at the start of the series, we were like, we have run out of we've run out of people we can call favors on. Absolutely. Like, who are we going to get as guests? And I think we've absolutely smashed it. I think they've, they've been some of the best guests we've ever had. I think and... it might be my favourite series. Mm. Just because we know what we're doing now. Yeah, true, true. Which really helps when it comes to an idea of a podcast and what we wanted to put out and how we deal with guests <laughs> and stuff. So congratulations, Rich. Well done, mate. It's an absolute cracking season. Um, like you said, it, it looked iffy at the beginning, but we got there in the end. We got there, we got there. We kicked off really strong and I think we stayed strong all the way through. Yeah, do you remember like... all the guests? Do you want to well, do your thing? I'm going to try and remember all the guests without looking at anything. I've so, got them written down, so here we go. Okay, right, this is going to be fun. In order as well. Let's see if so we of do course, it. Oh, God, I, I might not do it in order. Okay. But we, we kicked, because we didn't record them in order, no. so my brain doesn't work in that way. <laughs> and also, you've got to remember, we recorded a lot of them way before we released them. So I'm trying to remember from quite quite some time ago, Yeah. Um, not just like the last few weeks. Anyway, we kicked off with the amazing rich wilson and i was so happy to have rich on i really love the man i think he's brilliant i love his podcast i think he's incredibly funny and i think we were we we were really stoked to have him on we had him on before parenting hell had him on yeah we did so that's pretty good parenting hell copied us Yeah, he was lovely. He was absolutely brilliant. I loved him. He was completely amazing. Um, and of course, uh, right, I'm not going to be able to do... I'm thinking of these in the order we recorded them rather than the order they That's came fine. out, I think. Uh, uh. Right. Okay. So the next one that comes to mind is Sarah Buttery from the Let's Jaws for a Minute podcast. Yep. I don't think she was the next one we released, but she's the next one that's in She my was head. episode three. Episode three, of course. I'm going to miss someone out and it's going to be really embarrassing, aren't I? Yeah. Uh, she was amazing. Again, it was lovely to talk to Sarah and stay completely on brand and pick loads of Jaws movies. It was so much fun talking about Jaws, Jaws movies. 
it was and and we, I got to watch them all and two now looks like an absolute masterpiece compared to the other <laughs> other ones apart from one obviously yeah apart from one apart from one yeah um, and then we have Matthew Hyten Matthew Hyten episode four episode four again I'm missing people out left right and centre <laughs> still missing that episode two but we'll get to him no again hilarious man brought Highlander yeah. two into our lives mm, which thanks to that travesty <laughs> Again, makes Highlander 1 look like an absolute masterpiece, doesn't it, Rich? Do you know what? It certainly doesn't make it look worse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, of course, we had Michael Marden talking of the uh, the Parenting Hell podcast. Episode um, 5. It, yeah. It's episode 2 that's going to get me, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we had, yeah, Michael Marden, the producer of the Parenting Hell podcast, and Quickly Kevin, and other bits and bobs. He's also a filmmaker and all sorts of... Uh, different things as well very cool guy to get on yeah and also my own p personal favorite story is that he went to america to visit the last ever blockbuster incredibly impressed with that yeah that, that is commitment <laughs> to the cause for a film fan isn't it yeah absolutely absolutely oh we also had we had m from verbal diorama we did episode six <laughs> i'm nearly getting them in order yeah, i'm nearly yeah. getting them in order it's just that episode two that's that's Falling out of my head. Uh, yeah, M from Verbal Diorama. I love M. I think she's amazing. I think she does an incredible podcast. How she does that podcast on her own. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just, it's beyond words, honestly. She's, she's so, so easy good. to listen to and she's so passionate about movies. You just sit there yeah. and listen to M talk. It was great. You know, you know I love Transformers and her, her episode on the 1986 Transformers, the movie, it's perfect. It is. Chef's kiss. Perfect. Okay. Now we're getting into crunch time. Um, I think the next one is our, our first ever American guest. It's Clayton Davis. Episode from Variety seven. You're, magazine. You're on a roll. Yeah. Oh, I'm on a roll. I mean, it, that was incredible. Like, recording with Clayton was absolutely incredible, right? Yeah. Like, no, one, no one who listens to the podcast can see this, but when we were recording on the Zoom, he was recording in his office, in the Variety office, and you could just see Hollywood. In, through the window behind him. It was very it was, cool. It was very cool. Yeah, thank you for very Clayton cool. for giving us his time. He's a very busy man. We caught him just after award season, which is, I think, his his downtime between award season and cans. That's when we got him. Mm. Uh, fantastic stories. Um, yeah, absolutely hilarious as well. Really funny. Really knowledgeable. Crazy knowledgeable, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, he was incredible. Now, I'm not sure I'm going to get these in the right order. Um, I think Harley from Fundamentals. That's episode nine. You missed episode eight out, but, uh, but Harley was wonderful. Yeah, Harley was amazing. Fund Fundamentals podcast. We've both been on it a couple of times now, haven't we? We did we a have, Star yeah. Wars special, and we did we did a podcast all about podcasts, which was pretty nice. Because that's my life that. now. Yeah, so go back and listen to Fundamentals if you haven't done already. Loved um, his rant on. Uh, Dawn of Justice. I think it's oh, one of my favourites. <laughs> yeah. It definitely is. Uh, and of course, we had the the amazing Ashanti Onkar as well. Episode 10, yep. I really loved Ashanti. I could have talked to her all day. And I think that if we'd met in real life, we would be, we'd be really good friends. I think she's <laughs> incredible. Yeah, I think she's wonderful. <laughs> and she finally got, to, we got to watch Sex and City 2. We did purpose. get to watch Sex and the City 2. <laughs> so that was brilliant. Um, and I think she had a really good time. We had a really good time with her. 
uh, yeah, again, knowledgeable, crazy, passionate about movies. All we can ask, really. Good and, stories, good picks. Just a wonderful person. Just a yeah. really nice person. Oh, we had a lovely chat. It went on for hours. <laughs> it did, yeah. We, ch- we chatted for ages after the podcast had finished. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, next up, I think we've got Dominic Diamond. Well, that was episode eight. Ah, oh, okay, okay. Wow. I mean, just—it's yeah. not often that me and you get starstruck, like no. properly starstruck. But honestly, eight-year-old, nine-year-old, ten-year-old, eleven-year-old, twelve-year-old me would probably have pooped his pants at the prospect of talking to Dominic Diamond. Yeah, it's brilliant. And, and I've got to be honest, 41 year old me wasn't far off. <laughs> it was such—it it was like a ball of fire, like energy that Dom was. It was. You don't know what to go in when you're having these interviews. And luckily, all our interviews have gone pretty well. But mm. this one was it was electric. It was so much fun. I don't think I stopped laughing for like an hour and a half. It was He absolutely brought the A game. He was amazing. His picks are great. Yeah. Um, didn't so disappoint. Good. So good. Really, really brilliant guy. And again, if you listen to that episode and you like it, then make sure you go and listen to all Dom's stuff and read his articles and things. And there's links in the in the show notes for that one yeah so make sure you go and go and check those out um okay so then we must be on to oh we're on to w rated you've only got three more episodes to think about yeah w rated yeah i mean we they're essentially sort of the female versions of us i think in, it did in feel podcasting like that. terms <laughs> I think they're amazing. I love their podcast. I think they are incredibly brave for doing what they do because we know, me and you know what it's like yeah. to like watch bad stuff all the time and then talk about it. It's, it can get to you. I love their chemistry and the energy. Mm, and yeah. that was, I would say out of all the episodes this season, that's the one that kind of went off the rails. The oh, most. definitely. And I love it. Yeah, love it. it's perfect. <laughs> it was just crazy fun. It was so much fun. My, I mean, horrible to edit. <laughs> but yeah I'll we do like to time. set these challenges for you Dave it is nice to have like a four person episode every now and then just to give you a, a bit of a challenge we'll try and do it every every season I think yeah I think yeah. so that'd be nice um, and obviously we finished the season with Chris Hewitt wow how good is that how do we get him Empire Magazine host of the Empire Film Podcast I mean that he's a big name right He's a legend, isn't he? He's one of the reasons he I'm is podcasting. A superhero. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's brilliant. His knowledge again, picks were great. Finally got to talk about Evil Dead Two. Hear about uh, his as we actually got to talk about Attack of the Clones review, which I wasn't <laughs> going to bring up, but he kind of mentioned it, and then I jumped mm, upon it. Yeah, because that's yeah. what good interviews do, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and he was so he was game for it, which was even better. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for closing our season. It was great. Now, this is really embarrassing because I'm going to have to go back to episode two. Yeah. And I can't remember. It's, it was one episode two. we've been trying to get for a long time. Uh, all last year, um, we had to watch the worst ever dream sequel ever. <gasps> of course. Of course. It's Mark Woodyat, isn't it? The legend for, that is Mark leg- Woodyat. How did I forget Mark Woodyat? That's insane. So Mark from Mark and Me podcast, and you may remember him from the Skip to the End podcast. Incredible, incredible podcaster. And I can't believe that I missed him out. And I the didn't, fact Mark. that we had to watch Mac and Me, that should have stuck in my head forever, <laughs> shouldn't it, really? What Man. a load of rubbish. <laughs> Again, a, a conversation that went on for like two hours and I had to cut it down. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, in terms of podcasting, he's an absolute legend. The other day mm. he had Bruce Campbell on. The names he gets in his podcast are incredible. He does they it all really himself. Are. I think he's the hardest working man there is in podcasting. Um, and we've tried to get Mark on for a long time, first two seasons. But mm. for a, it didn't quite happen the first two seasons, and we finally got to nail him down. And then he came on and he, he brought it, and it was brilliant. Um, yeah. What a season. What a season. And I can't believe I can't believe I forgot Mark. <laughs> he was so good as well. <laughs> well. There's a lot to remember. There was. There was. But I got all the rest. Yeah, you did. You know, that's I did it right. Did it right. What? I just yeah, I can't believe season three's done already. I know. and what's the plan for next season? Just we go again. We just go again. Well we've already started, haven't we? Oh yeah, we recorded an episode. We've, we've not even had our pub end of season pub trip to plan the next season and we've already recorded an episode for season four yep and what, what we got planned and what can you tell them about season four in the future rich well i think what you can look forward to is more interactive stuff with us potentially hopefully so if we get our arse in gear yeah yeah absolutely so we'll be looking at some patreon stuff yeah. So people can join in and some sort of fan interaction stuff. Yeah. Um, we're going to steal all the best bits from all the other podcasts we like. Um, Absolutely. And, and copy what they do because you know that's that's the kind of guys we are. And yeah, just general kind of. We'll still be doing our extra episodes. Don't worry, we're not going to put those onto Patreon. We're still going to let you have those ones for free. Uh, we'll still do our monthly roundup. So we'll still talk about all the interactions that we've had with you guys. And I think you know it's just. More of the same. More yeah. of the same in season I have four. to reiterate, we're not putting the unequal sequel interview episodes on Patreon either. They'll no. be there. They'll just yeah. be more. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And what about this website you've been promising since uh, I know, right? end of season two? Turns out I'm not very good at making websites. <laughs> it's taken me a long time, but it will 100% launch for series four. <laughs> I don't believe Pro- it. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Look, one, I've been really ill. And I've not been able to concentrate on stuff. And two, it's, it's a lot harder than I thought it was. I know. <laughs> I don't get it. So no. good on you for having a crack I at don't it. Know. I don't It might look awful, but hey, there we go. Yeah. And <laughs> we, should be, we should be back at the end of September. Uh, it might be a bit later because I've got to go to Canada for two and a bit weeks. Mm. Yeah. So that will push well, us back a bit. Well, hopefully can, we can do things before you go to Canada. And get well, that's only a couple of weeks, Rich. So, yeah. Yeah. What can you tell the people about getting in contact? Well, you can still contact us on Twitter and on Instagram and, and also on on email. So we're at Unequal Sequel on the socials and Unequal Sequel at Hotmail.com on the emails. We're, you're still going to be doing our extra episodes just because the, the season is finished. We're still going to be carrying on doing content. Um, maybe even get, oh, maybe even do some content with Dave from Canada. All the way from Canada, potentially. Please, it's going to be so hard. Actually, they're going to have aircon. Maybe. Okay. Okay. We'll see. Um, but yeah, if you also if you want to get in touch, that's the way to do it. Um, of course, if you like what you've heard, if you thought season three has been as brilliant as we thought it's been, then click on those little likes. Click on the, the subscribe button. Give us a rating. Write us a review if you like. Love a reviews. We do love a review. Even if you give us a five star review, and then rubbish us in the actual comments that's fine that's okay yeah i can live with that you know the five star reviews like bump us up the table a bit um which is always nice it gets more people to listen but the the best thing you can do for us is just tell your friends just tell other people spread the words and we've seen a load of you kind of doing that on social media and we really appreciate it spreading the word about us 
we we love you for it honestly yeah. um and yeah that's that's kind of it it feels a bit like whew, yeah i know man it's, it's, it's a, a crazy it's a, a crazy 12 weeks it's hard it work but it's so much worth it i absolutely love it i love talking to everyone this season thank you all for our guests for coming on you've been amazing again thank you for everyone that's downloaded we've got a lot of new listeners this season thanks mm. to a little uh, plug on the end of parenting hell uh, that was a good week that was a good week <laughs> yeah. uh, so thank you for that uh, I normally sign out with a, a fancy bye bye but not this week just a sincere thank you and it's a bye bye from me and it's a bye bye from him bye see you next season thank you so much bye <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>